Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Thursday, March 8th. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today, we're looking at the history of bite mark matching, the junk forensic science that put innocent people behind bars. But first, the headlines. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has launched a new offensive in his long-standing war with sanctuary policies that shield undocumented immigrants. The Department of Justice sued California on Tuesday, claiming that three state laws unconstitutionally interfere with efforts to strictly enforce federal immigration law. Secretary Betsy DeVos got a frosty reception from students and faculty during a visit to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School early Wednesday, its first full day of classes since the February 14th shooting. According to the Department of Education, the purpose of DeVos's trip was to connect with students and teachers in the wake of the shootings. But students who were present for her tour said DeVos did not answer questions on what her agency can do to help prevent future mass shootings. And... Eight members of the German far-right terror cell known as the Freital Group were found guilty on Wednesday for a 2015 bombing campaign targeting refugees and their advocates. Seven men and one woman were found guilty on charges including forming a terror group and attempted murder. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Last month, a book came out called The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist, a true story of injustice in the American South by Radley Balco and Tucker Carrington. The book reveals the sobering history of faulty forensics and how two doctors in Mississippi were able to put away countless people for crimes they did not commit. Here's Vice's Sophie Cases speaking with tonic writer Shayla Love on the story. Who are Radley Balco and Tucker Carrington, the authors of this book? Where are they coming from? Radley Balco is an investigative journalist and reporter at The Washington Post, and Tucker Carrington is the director of the Mississippi Innocence Project at the University of Mississippi School of Law, which is an organization that helps exonerate people in jail or on death row using new scientific evidence. Um, When I talked to Radley specifically about why they wanted to write this book, he said that he'd been writing parts of this story for the better part of the last 10 years about these, these two guys that are kind of the main characters or villains of the story. And he said one of the frustrating things is that he couldn't ever get it all into one place. Carrington is working on exonerating a lot of their uh, victims, and so they teamed up together to to write about them. So, what's the book about? The book is about Dr. Stephen Hain, who was the de facto medical examiner in Mississippi, and Dr. Michael West, who was a forensic dentist. Um, Dr. Hain came to Mississippi in the 1980s, and he was employed in the medical examiner's office, and he performed most of Mississippi's autopsies in the 80s and 90s, thousands of them, and he employed Mike West to be a dentist as his assistant. And what what West did is he would do forensic odontology. The book is about how together they used 
faulty forensic science to implicate the guilt in hundreds of people. And the book is specifically about two men, LaVon Brooks and Kennedy Brewer, who were convicted for raping and murdering little girls when in fact they were innocent. The book focuses on a specific faulty forensic method called bite mark matching. What is that? So the basic idea of bite mark matching is that if violence happens between a victim and a perpetrator and somebody gets bit, then the dentist, who would be Dr. West in this case, could match the bite marks on the victim's body to the teeth of the perpetrator. And we know now that this is is junky or faulty, as you said, for a couple of reasons. It, it requires a few assumptions. One is that human teeth are completely unique, like a kind of fingerprint. And the second assumption is that human skin is capable of recording a bite mark for long periods of time, even after death. So there's no science to back up either of these assumptions. And even if our teeth are unique, we actually know now that there's no way that human skin can preserve bite marks in this way. In one of the cases in this book with LaVon Brooks, the little girl who had been murdered was actually embalmed. So Dr. West's claim that he could find bite marks in her skin is impossible, even if humans could capture a bite mark. What was Dr. West's testimony that got LaVon Brooks convicted? With his testimony for Brooks's case specifically, he said that he found bite mark patterns of just two teeth. And that's something that he would often do is that he would often find just a couple of teeth impressions or say that he would. Sometimes they would just be the upper back teeth. For LaVon, it was his upper front teeth. So he would claim that over the course of your life, your teeth get common wear and tear and there's ridges on the back of your teeth. And so he said that when LaVon bit into the little girl, he could see those exact ridges in her skin. Um, And he would take a dental mold. It's kind of a wet clay-like substance, and he would get the pattern of people's teeth, and he would claim that he could match them to the skin. In LaVon's case, he used this dental mold and said it wasn't precise enough, so he actually went back with Silly Putty, which he claimed could preserve the detail on a much finer level. Again, this has no evidence or science to back it up. It's almost like he just decided that silly putty was better. And in this case, the girl had been submerged in water. She had been embalmed. So it's just ridiculous, the idea that he could have found two tiny teeth marks in her skin and then matched them to LaVon's teeth. Did Dr. Mike West actually believe that his science was accurate? Or was there some other motivation or justification that he was using to make these claims? I asked that question, too, because it's hard It's hard to listen to his testimony or read accounts of his testimony and, and believe that he, you know, that he didn't know. But in the end, Radley and Tucker said to me that we'll never really know what the answer is. What it reveals instead, despite his agency, is that the courts allowed this to happen even as people started to become exonerated after being put in jail by him. So this is, these two cases are an example of DNA evidence exonerating them. And now that we've seen that this kind of bite mark matching analysis doesn't lead to true guilty convictions, that should be enough for us to completely put this to bed rather than asking if he knew or not. 
I think that's a really, really good point. And Brewer from the Mississippi Innocence Project actually worked with LaVon Brooks to sue Dr. West and Dr. Haynes, but they lost the case. What happened? Yeah, so this is a sad example of how it was on them to prove that there was malicious intent here. So in this situation, it does kind of matter if Dr. West and Dr. Hayne knew what they were doing. If they intended to give false testimony, then Brooks and Brewer might have won. But the court decided that what West and Hayne did might have been gross negligence, but it wasn't enough to decide that they had intentionally framed them. So they never really got any vindication for what happened to them. How long were LaVon and Kennedy incarcerated for? Together, they had spent more than 30 years in Mississippi jails for crimes they didn't commit. Do we know how many people were falsely incarcerated because of bite mark matching and the work of Dr. West and Dr. Haynes? And what happens with that information if we do know? So Radley told me that we know of three people who are on death row right now directly because of Hain and or West, and still today they're on death row. Um, it's going to be impossible to know how many people there are until there's a systematic review of all the cases that they testified in. But that's thousands of cases in Hain's situation. And they also told me that, you know, the, the Attorney General, James Hood of Mississippi, has said, we'll just let people who work for organizations like the Innocence Project sort through these cases and find people. It's not really a process that's happening from above. Besides the cases that they did testify in, we'll never know about the autopsies and cases that they just let go. So there's an example that Radley gave me where a woman was found beaten to death, blood all over the house, somebody saw somebody running away, and Hain decided that she had died from a stroke. And we don't really know why he said that. Maybe it was a person he felt didn't warn the investigation or just didn't want to get into. Somebody wanted it to go away. But those are the cases that we'll never have a solution for either. Are there forensic methods today whose validity is in question and what's being done about it? A good recent example is hair fiber analysis. The FBI admitted a couple years ago that they've been overstating their certainty and the significance of that kind of analysis where you find you know, a piece of hair and you can match it to somebody else. So they think that, you know, 90 to 95% of those cases, thousands of cases, that evidence might not really be accurate. There's examples every day now of neuroscience entering the courtroom too, where we're not really sure what the evidence means and yet juries and lawyers and judges are just taking it at face value. So what's really important about this book, not just with bite mark evidence, but with any scientific evidence, is that we need to be monitoring when people are later found innocent and exonerated. The controlling case law, which is the law that first allowed the evidence into use in the first place for bite mark analysis, all of those people were later found to be innocent. But if you go and look up the controlling case law, you'll find no mention of that. So it's really important for us to recognize that science builds and it changes when new evidence is presented, but the law is determined by precedent. So once something happens once, that's the rule. And those two things don't match up. So what we can learn from this is that we need to be more fluid about scientific evidence, especially when it's in the courtroom. To read Shayla's full article, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now.
Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.